Hey, welcome to the Brian Nichols Show. I'm your host, associate editor over at the Libertarian Republic, Brian Nichols. And uh, yes, if you are a uh, returning listener, as you know, Brian Nichols Show, newest show here on the We Are Libertarians Network. Uh, today, I am joined uh, by the great uh, crew over at Triggered Millennials, and we'll go into their introduction in a second. Uh, but hey, if it's your first time joining us here at the uh, the Brian Nichols Show, uh, first and foremost, thank you for for stopping by. We appreciate you taking the time to uh, to join in on today's fun-filled episode. Um, so yes, the Brian Nichols Show, we do have a little bit of a libertarian bias, but we are for anyone and everyone across the political spectrum, as our goal is to present the news as you care about in an objective manner. With the three goals being to educate, enlighten, and inform. As always, please feel free to follow me on Twitter at B Nichols Liberty and on Facebook at B Nichols Liberty. And uh, if you enjoyed today's show, please feel free to go and uh, subscribe and share the show on iTunes. Please like and review. Uh, and if you really are interested in the show, please feel free to go ahead and uh, subscribe to us on Patreon. You can find me at B Nichols Liberty. And if you are interested in uh, in reaching me directly, please feel free to email me at thebriannicholsshow at gmail.com. Uh, also, if you're interested in uh, getting one of these really uh, fancy don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff bumper stickers, again, email me, Show, thebriannicholsshow at gmail.com for details. And with that being said, I want to go ahead and uh, jump into today's episode. Uh, today I'm joined by the crew, as I mentioned, uh, over at the Triggered Millennials. Uh, today I'm joined by Mark Monasan. He's the president of the Triggered Millennials. Uh, Sam Scholl, did I get that right, Sam? Scholl. Scholl, okay. Scholl, the vice president. And then uh, Aiden Mattis. Uh, he is the executive chief of publications uh, over, again, at Triggered Millennials. You can follow them uh, online at triggeredmillennials.org, on uh, Twitter at Triggered Wake Up. And on Facebook at uh, the Triggered Millennials, and finally on uh, the Instagrams at the Triggered Millennials. Mark, Sam, Aiden, thank you so much for joining today. How are you guys all doing? Good, thank you. Doing well. Thanks for having us on. Absolutely, and thank you again for for taking a uh, a, a quick uh, opportunity here to hop in the show. Uh, I know we are a little last minute, um, and really quick. I just wanted to kind of go through. I I got a really great bio from you guys. And I just want to, to read this to the audience to kind of give a, a brief perspective as to who the, the triggered millennials are. So um, to kind of give a very quick summary, this, uh, this group was founded by Mark and Sam, who are joining us today. Uh, and they sent me this nice uh, bio here saying, so we are two young adults that chose to focus on health care and health policy at the Pennsylvania State University. Our career paths have focused on providing quality care and improving U.S. health care. We have completed undergraduate internships for top-rated companies in Pennsylvania, both in clinical and managed care settings. We have spent numerous hours outside the classroom educating ourselves to be certified in areas such as process improvement, faculty development, leadership, and patient safety. As students, uh, student professionals and activists through the years, we have attended events and conferences to stay involved in both healthcare and the Second Amendment. Our main goal throughout our time at Penn State was to learn as much as possible to propel ourselves forward in our country's healthcare system. We completed our goal in college. Now we're on to conquer the next step. 
We are a full-time healthcare workers and focusing on completing master's degrees, and our focus on healthcare has not changed, but we did see a major change over the past couple years. Over the course of our college careers, our after-hours interests had become more than we expected. Suddenly, we were being publicly attacked on the streets of our college town for being students that openly supported the Second Amendment. We bonded with those of every party who also felt the same prosecution for simply believing in a universal right of self-defense and protection. We created a network of, of others our age, millennials, that put aside our differences to focus on the common bond, the right to keep and bear arms. We filmed some of our personal trainings, documented trainings we held, and attended increasingly engaging in conversations about the Second Amendment. We began to attend events and interact with people from each side of the political spectrum. Our personal projects had been put on display for others to learn and gain ideas. We were and continue to be absolutely shocked at the statements that are made in the straightforward attempt to completely take away a basic human right. We know the consequences of speaking up, though personally, and acknowledge it is something easy. It wasn't something easy to do. That's when we made our decision to not look back. We turned our belief and passion in a right into an organization for other millennials and generations to follow, to have hope. So that's me uh, citing your words. So, I mean, take all that, guys. Uh, you know, between Mark and Sam, jump ball. Uh, you know, obviously, it, you guys went from being a healthcare-oriented, uh, you know, group to now you're focusing more specifically on the Second Amendment rights. What was the main tipping point for you two to really start focusing on this triggered millennials that you know it, it got the ball rolling? It, t it was the tipping point for you guys going forward. Oh uh, well, this has been something we've all been passionate about for our entire lives. I mean, we've all been brought up in in areas where you were allowed to be taught safety and respect for the second amendment and not and not in a cliche way but just you know how you use operate and not disrespect the firearm and then use it improperly like we saw on friday i mean that's something that's taught in early age but the tipping point i would say you know loving loving the hobby loving the sport loving the passion for for years it, it's been recently it's it's been, uh, you know, a passion, a personal passion for all of us, but with the media just completely pushing one-sided, you know, a one-sided argument, and then you have someone not going to advertise for saying that our generation doesn't know what, you know, other generations don't know what it's like to get shot with AR-15s. AR uh, the generations before us have gotten shot with everything worse than AR-15 and then some. So... You know, it's like enough is enough with that side. And if no one else is going to speak up, we decide what we're going to speak up. So um, I, th now this obviously is a libertarian leaning podcast. But as I mentioned in my opener, um, the show itself is is meant for people across all political persuasions. So um, my audience will range from people on the far left, be they communists, socialists, progressives, etc., all the way to the right being, you know, conservatives, uh, Republicans, libertarians, anarchists, and the like. So uh, I just, I'm curious, you know, between Mark and Sam, I know Aiden, obviously Aiden and I work together over uh, at the Libertarian Republic. Um, so I know Aiden is a conservative libertarian, uh, but I'm just curious, Mark and Sam, where do you guys line up on the, the political aisle, number one? And number two, how has that impacted your view of the Second Amendment? Uh, I would say, I mean, more independent voters. I've been, I've been independent, you know, uh, pretty much forever until this election, and I had to go one way, and that was, uh, you know, pretty obvious which way one one uh, side was going to restrict further, and one side was going to stop chipping chipping away at this. You know, this isn't even an amendment or a right. 
um, or or a um, you know a political idea. It's not bipartisan. It's it's not nonpartisan. It's just a human right. Period. So you know, regardless of party, I don't care what party you are. If you're going to be going after a, a natural right. It, it pretty much puts a lot of people on a spot to vote against that or for promoting, um, you know, keeping those rights. So, Sam, um, I wanted to get you to jump in here really quick, too. So, um, you know, we, we heard Mark say that he kind of came in as an independent. Uh, and I know that you in your your bio here, the group itself for Tr Trigger to Millennials is pretty agnostic to political identification. So, um, you know, if you could kind of give me an idea what is the the breakdown if you will between uh all the members that have taken part in triggered millennials for their political identifications um our group is just about as diverse as your listeners are we have lgbtq members we have you know obviously aiden we have mark and myself who are independent you know there's left you know every political ideology is within triggered millennials because we don't talk about or wants to get into the arguments of those other political realms we try to stay just with the second amendment and that right and we can all come together and unify under that so obviously now obviously the the topic of uh gun rights uh gun control etc has been one of if not the major hot button issues from mid-february up until today obviously with the Parkland shooting taking place on Valentine's Day in February, and then as uh, Mark had, had kind of hinted on, most recently with the Santa Fe shooting that took place back on uh, on Friday of uh, this past week, uh, as we're recording here May 24th. Um, so, I mean, there we've, we've seen in the media that there has been a very intense push to politicize the gun control uh, movement. I guess not only that, but also to politicize those individuals within the Second Amendment camp, where um, if you are pro-Second Amendment, you're pro-right to self-preservation, you are essentially labeled as being someone usually identifying politically on the right. If you're in the pro-gun control camp, you are usually identifying as someone politically on the left. So how have you guys been able to overcome that media narrative that's been assigned to these two sides in the movement to say, hey, you know what, we are politically agnostic, and we're open for anyone and everyone, even though this issue has been politicized. Well, that, that's uh, that's kind of part of the question you asked earlier, and, and it was a very broad question of what was the tipping point. I mean, there, there was a lot of moving parts in that question, but I mean, this this can further answer that. There's, you know, this isn't this isn't a political issue, and uh, to just say for for the media to decide and and make it a political issue. And for you know even politicians to decide and make it a political issue, and then people that aren't even registered voters to make it a political issue, it's it's starting to become out of control because it's not a political issue. Period. It's it's a rights issue. It's a civil rights issue, and uh, you know we have people from like Sam said all all walks of life in this organization as members and either members, followers, supporters, and and leaders, and uh, you know. When we saw what we saw on Friday is just an example of somebody who, you know, absolutely lost their mind and has, you know, they were a psychopath. The, the guy's a psychopath. He he doesn't know. It, I mean, he had a hammer and sickle on his shirt, and on the same shirt he had an iron cross. How confused are you? 
Okay. <laughs> Good point. He, he, this was not some super. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not trying to marginalize any groups here, but this is the stereotype, and and I mean, prove me wrong. The stereotype, like you said, is that gun owners are these right wing leaning, uh, you know, flannel shirt, beer belly, redneck, camo hat wearing white white guys, and it's just not the truth. There are so many people, you know, within the group, within this movement. There's there's young people, our age, there's younger people, there's women. I mean, the, there's there's so many women that are going on this. It's it's nuts. And then you got the the even the uh, LGBTQ community that wants to get involved, but as soon as they speak up, you know, their their friends, you know, politicize it for them. They're not allowed to speak up. As soon as somebody from the left speaks up, they can't speak up because they're out of line. And uh, yeah, that, that's how we're trying to break the stereotype. And uh, I think a, a further issue here is that something that's very interesting, if you look back, even over the past decade, it wasn't always a, a partisan issue. It's been very much in the past few years. And I think sort of maybe as a reaction to what's seen as this uh, lost sense of political efficacy against or among the, uh, the left wing, as they, they did lose a lot um, in the past election. But even you go back to... When Joe Biden was vice president only a few years ago, he said that he believes that uh, people should have shotguns in their homes. In the 1990s, we had an assault weapons ban, but still most Democrat politicians were in favor of private firearm ownership. And that goes back, uh, you know, John F. Kennedy saying that uh, Americans should be an armed and responsible people. We've got a lot of a history of the left wing. The right wing has always been in support of gun ownership, but the left wing has always had uh, some semblance of an idea that responsible private gun ownership is a positive for this country as a whole. And it's only been in recent years that that's changed. And it seems like a very interesting far left push among an older generation seeking to gain votes from a young and inexperienced uh, millennial generation. So let me uh, ask this question, because I think one of the, the points that's been raised here is that um, yeah, I think I think we can all kind of agree that the pro Second Amendment argument, even though it shouldn't be a political issue, it kind of has become one. And it usually, if you're a pro Second Amendment, those tenets are usually embraced by those on the right. And that's just—I mean, I'm generalizing, obviously. And that's—you're oh, uh, right. Yeah. So, I mean, with that being said, let's look and say—you know—you mentioned how you have people in the group uh, for for the trigger, triggered millennials who are—you know—they're they're LGBTQ. Um, they are left-leaning, progressive. So what do you think it was, in, in, you know, based on your experience working with these members directly, that really was, that got them into the group, despite their own political beliefs kind of going against the narrative that's being pushed that if you're someone who is more politically progressive, that you're not supposed to support this, you know, this pro-gun rights movement? Well, it, it starts off with a conversation. We met a couple of people, even if they were a little apprehensive about it, you know, talking about facts and things that you can't deny really starts to change their attitude. And especially the LGBTQ community, when you start talking about these facts, they're the ones that are most, you know, in danger of assaults like that. You know, for decades, it's been like that, you know, and they start to realize that they do have the right and should have the right to defend themselves. You know, their party, usually I'm generalizing, may not like it, but they need to protect themselves too from all of this judgment and harsh, you know, um, stigma that they have on them. And they like to learn about it. 
in, even the ones that maybe haven't gotten completely comfortable yet still want to learn about the fundamentals of it. Um, even, you know, women and feminists that we have, you know, I as a woman get called an NRA whore for simply having a shotgun on Instagram. Jeez. Like it's it's more hateful when people see you with it. And then that starts that hate starts to have them question it themselves to be like, well, why do you hate someone like that? You know, why do you hate the fact that I want to have this right when I have more of a chance of getting attacked on the street at night than you do? So obviously, as I say, because because obviously like this, this movement has been it really co-opted with partisan politics. Do you find it hard to bring in members into the group who necessarily aren't um, who aren't a part of that right wing kind of perspective? Like, is it hard to bring in individuals from the left or 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 those that are maybe not necessarily your your like your first thought of being a pro gun person? As it kind of Mark elaborated, like your your beer belly, you know, flannel shirt, you know, make America great again hat. That's kind of like the perceived gun owner in America, which obviously isn't true. But like, do you find that narrative is kind of hard to overcome in building membership? I find it very, it's probably that, that stereotype that's the hardest thing to get through with people. Uh, for example, some of my best friends are uh, Democrats and they've always said, you know, oh, you just want an AR-15 so that you can go out in the woods and play soldier and feel like a man. And then when I confront them and I say, you know, well, I've never expressed that desire to you. They say, oh, well, not you, but just, you know, the general person. And I'm like, okay, but the, I am the general person. I'm the average guy <laughs> when it comes to guns. And it's this weird disconnect that they've got this perception from, uh, usually from the media about uh, the way gunners are. And I think that once you get through to people, once you break through that um, stereotype, it's very easy to get them to understand why guns are a useful tool, why they're so important, and to further explain, you know, the, the history of American gun ownership and why it is seen as such a fundamental part of this country's values. So when you do get through to people, for example, I was uh, a Turning Point USA vice president for a while, and that's a nonpartisan organization. It's a 501c3. Obviously, it does lean a certain direction, but I was able to, just by talking about, in this case, I... Uh, it was economics. I was able to break through the stereotypes of evil capitalist corporations, and now we have Democrats in that organization at Penn State. Um, with a lot of a lot of the time, it's not that people are necessarily stupid or that they're uh, belligerent. It's mostly just that they don't know, and because they've never had anyone challenge them, they've had no reason to learn. So, if you can sit someone down and have a conversation with them, I'd say most of the time. Um, most people are pretty easy to convert because it's a very rational, reasonable argument. And, um, you know, you have the historical and philosophical evidence to back it up. And when you get into the arguments that involve the statistics of gun violence versus violence of other kinds versus other countries, um, you find that the facts are definitely on the side of gun ownership, as is the history and sort of this American idea that, um, a people ought to be free, and in order for them to be free, they must have the right to self-defense. So it's not that hard to bring people over. It's really hard to break that shell that's been built over years of um, public schooling and media barrage, and especially because Obama was such a charismatic individual, um, a lot of young people especially sort of just flocked to whatever he said. 
So you've got to you've got to break through. But the thing is, if you can sit down and have a, a cup of coffee, in my case, or uh, in the case of my older compatriots, say uh, a, a beer, then usually you can break through. <laughs> yeah, and going off of that, like, I mean, he had, he had a really good point with the educational aspect on a college campus specifically. Yeah, it's it's hard to get through to these people because they have all of their. Uh, you know, they have their, their friends around that half of them are just out in left field mindlessly believing whatever, you know, whatever's being said on the TV because the TV said so. And, uh, but, you know, Aiden was saying that most of the time, you know, once you can get through that stereotype, it's, it's easy to have that conversation. Well, I say all of the time once you get through that stereotype because I've taken dozens, if not, you know, into the, you know, three figures of people to the range, you know, train them through actual safety respect how to use a firearm how to operate you know the correct way how where point it, where not to point it the how to hold it how to stand with it i mean you see people on youtube on instagram grabbing a gun and just you know shooting it at the range and they have no clue what they're doing if you just take somebody who's even left-leaning or not even left-leaning just any gun a gun grabber to the range and say if, if we're going to the range and you don't like this after a minute, we'll go home. Just let's go to the range. I've never one time have had that same individual leave the range with the same attitude they went into the range with. It's always, that was not as bad as, you know, I thought it was going to be, or wow, that was, you know, like, how, how do I go about getting one of these? You know, I wanna look into, look into this more. If, if anything, like that was the coolest, one of the coolest things ever. The first thing they do when they pull a trigger at the range with the proper setup, they almost always light up with a smile and, and turn around like cheesing it completely. Like that was so cool. And cause it is cool. It's fun. As long as you're responsible and safe about it. I, I've never once gotten back in the car with that same person after a range trip and had the, you know, the exact same, the, these things need to be, uh, you know, more regulated more. This is worse. If anything, it's man. Yeah, we should, we should be legalizing machine guns. What are we doing? <laughs> uh, what's the difference? I, I could have pulled that trigger as fast as I wanted to. It's they're the complete opposite person. And they're still, there's, they still, we still might argue over, uh, you know, how to do border security, how to manage healthcare, how to manage the economy. But when it comes to the second amendment, which this whole company's built around, their their view is completely changed and that's only because they got exposed to it and ignorance is not bliss so i guess i want to know what's the goal like what's truly the goal of triggered millennials is it to continue bringing in these these people from all different walks of life to to value uh you know the, the true right of self-preservation uh or do you see it as something larger than that uh i mean i'll, I'll let uh I just want to answer this like real briefly and I'll let someone follow up. But yes, it's definitely it's definitely a main goal is to bring everybody into it as you know, as many people as possible because it's everyone's right, no matter what side you're on, no matter what walk of life you come from. I don't, I don't care. If you're an American citizen, the Second Amendment applies to you, period. Whether you like it or not. You know, what whether you believe whatever religion you follow, if you follow one, whatever, you know, whatever political party you're a part of that amendment applies to you and we want everybody on board because it's common ground period it's something that we should all be able to agree on and you know our organization is only going to keep growing but the next step at least as we get more and more people is we are no compromise you know everybody's advocating you know for more and more and more laws 
we're cutting that short. There's going to be no more. We're educating everyone in our generation and generation after us, Gen Z, getting you know together with people older than us. And there's you know we're not going to let any more go past. And then we can talk about the next step after that. But the Second Amendment's been shipped away enough, and we want to protect that as it is right now. So obviously you've been facing a lot of heat. I'm assuming um, with regards to the, the the school shootings that have been happening recently. Cool. I mean. We can go back to to even as recent as in 2012 with Sandy Hook. That kind of seemed to be the uh, the precipice for this this. Uh, I, I don't want to say an assault on the Second Amendment rights, but I mean more or less it really was. It's just this this narrative was promoted that it's always an AR-15. It's always a, a a guy who who you know he had some mental issues, um, and it seems that that's been used as a tool to try to take away the second amendment rights of all citizens um so i mean with that being said we we in the, the pro second amendment camp we have a really i guess i would say a tough job and that's trying to com combat this very uh, sensationalized narrative um so with that being said looking at you know looking at these different these different tragedies that have taken place what would you say the the best response would be to someone who is in the belief that it's it's the the use of these guns that are the problem. What what's the response from triggered millennials? You know, all right, see, 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 I saw where this was going. You know, thirty seconds ago. <laughs> it's simple. We just got done saying we're stereotyped as this. You know, out out in the middle of nowhere, some some hick, and it's a uh, you know, in in a flannel shirt with a shotgun and, and their their camo hat on. But then all of a sudden the conversation gets changed immediately to, oh no, it's, a, it's an AR-15. Well, where does that come into the conversation? And if you look at all these people committing the shootings, who's committing them? I have not seen someone in a flannel shirt with a beer gut and a camo hat walking through a school yet. I haven't seen it. Uh, it's always some lunatic that has some type of background that is that, you know, the, that the people that were supposed to be doing their jobs following up on this, you know, people that have reported these psychopathic individuals to the authorities, which have been ignored. And then we have outcomes like we have. The guy out farming, feeding America is not the problem. It's it's people with mental issues like we saw on Friday. And no matter what law you pass, no matter what law that's out there as a bill, as an idea, as a thought, where you can repeal the whole Second Amendment. That wouldn't have stopped what happened this Friday specifically. That was done with a revolver and a shotgun. Sawed off shotgun. Which, like I just said, no matter what law you pass, you could repeal the whole thing. Are you going to take off all 300 million plus guns off the streets? I mean, even if every single gun owner turned in their guns, law-abiding citizen turned their guns in because the Second Amendment got repealed, how many are still going to be on the streets? Nobody even knows that number. So let's now I'm gonna play devil's advocate because I live in in Philadelphia here, and the idea of owning a gun to a lot of my 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 cohorts is it's alien. I mean, the idea of owning a firearm is is as alien as you know having four heads. So you know, whenever they hear about these guns, they'll say, "Well, why do you need it?" You know, number one, and obviously we kind of covered that already here. But then they'll say, "Okay, well, what would you do? How would you have stopped the shooting?" So. I'm going to be that guy right now saying, okay, trigger millennials, Mark, Sam, Aiden, how would you have stopped the shooting? Oh, ooh, 
I mean, the the first thing I'd say to people, I'm also from the Philadelphia area, but the first thing I'd say to people that are, uh, you know, to them, the idea of owning a gun is alien, is completely alien to them. Um, it's not alien to the gang members on the streets who illegally have them in the first place. So I don't really see their point. The people who are using the guns are almost always criminals in Philadelphia because I believe it is illegal to carry in the city limits. Um, I think you're right, yeah. I believe... I believe you need a very special permit. Um, but uh, They cost lots and lots and lots of money. Yeah, exactly. As for, uh, you know, how would you have stopped the shooting? I think what's perfect is that in the past month, we've seen a great example. There were four shootings in the past month. Three of them were stopped before anyone was injured by an armed guard in schools. So you want to stop the school shootings? Say that I again. Say, say that point again, Aiden. Say that point again. Oh, uh, in the past month or so, there were four attempted school shootings. In three of them, an armed school resource officer, as they're called, stopped the shooting before anyone was seriously injured. Why haven't we heard about that, Aiden? That's a great question, <laughs> uh, especially for the media, um, because it's their job to talk about these things. And I think in many cases, it's just because uh, a shooting where nobody got hurt isn't a very good story. Uh, on the left side of the media, for CNN and MSNBC, certainly doesn't help their narrative. Uh, Fox News talked about it a little bit more, but not enough. Um, and it's it's a part of a larger trend here. For example, we still don't know why Stephen Paddock shot up a bunch of people in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we, it's been months, almost a year, right, since that happened. And we still have no clue why, which is for how far reaching the government is between the NSA, the FBI, the DHS, uh, you know, even the CIA. There's no reason we don't know about that. And what it clearly is, is that there is a certain narrative here being pushed, whether, you know, I don't want to get too deep into like conspiracy theory or anything, but whether it's George Soros or the Democratic Party, or maybe it's the Green Party has infiltrated the FBI and is now running it from the inside. Who knows? Um, Damn Jill no Stein. What, yeah, exactly. Jill Stein is trying to not only prevent shootings, but also Wi-Fi. Uh, <laughs> but for some reason... There's this been this change where we're no longer trying to find the truth. We're no longer trying to find the best solution. We're trying to find the solution that makes the most people feel good. And that's deeply concerning for many. But importantly, the impact it could have. So should we be putting armed guards in our schools? Yes. Does that setting? Yes. But it's a question of... Do we want to do something that seems a little bit upsetting and seems like we shouldn't have to do it, but our kids will be safe? Or do we keep arguing about what to do about the Second Amendment and let our kids keep dying? And also, it's worthwhile to point out, the rate of school shootings has fallen precipitously since the 90s. Um, so we're in a weird situation here where there's a very obvious answer to how to, how to stop school shootings, and it's armed guards in schools. There's a very obvious answer if you look at the crime rates, the violent crime rates in uh, municipalities where there are more concealed and open carry uh, gun, gun owners, more guns, more legally held guns, lower violent crime. Um, the answer counterintuitively does seem to be statistically, uh, and I'm not implying causation here, but I'm implying causation here. Uh, the answer seems to be more lawful, educated, resourceful gun owners, more safety. All yeah, right. I, 
I want to point out, uh, yep. we, you know, we want to protect our kids, and, and the, the media is always weaponizing the, the children, weaponizing, you know, their safety and, and security. But what's their solution? It's it's never it's never a realistic solution. Like I was saying earlier, you can repeal the entire Second Amendment, and that's not going to make any kids safer. You can put as many buckets of rocks in in every classroom. That's not going to make kids any safer. <laughs> Isn't that the nuts? The bucket of rocks. That's so stupid. I can't believe that's actually like a real proposal. And yeah, I mean, like <laughs> it's better than nothing. <laughs> yeah, like, like like people getting shot, like in the corner of a room with 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 anything i don't care if it's a bb gun are going to want to stand there and throw rocks come on the the solution is simple how many veterans are teachers i've had plenty from middle school high school through college that are veterans and they're more than more than trained and more than willing to to carry and protect those kids like they're their own children how many people how many teachers, professors carry on a daily basis everywhere they go because they have a concealed carry permit, but then the one place they go to work, they have to they have to leave it in their car or leave it at home. It makes no sense. It, it's not we're not even talking about having an armed, you know, soldier at the front door of a school in full gear. We're talking about people doing what they would do in anywhere, any restaurant, any mall, any anywhere. And back to weaponizing the children. Why, why, uh, you know, weaponizing the deaths of the children? I understand why we have every football stadium. You have to get patted down and and metal detected, you know, for for anything, and you can't bring certain things into it into a, a sporting event. But a school, you can just walk right into and not have not a ticket or an ID or anything. It's it's backwards, and there's way more people in a, in a football stadium than any school. And it's not as if schools aren't already spending the money on security. There are a lot of schools, like, for example, my high school, was uh, we had two or three security guards, but they were basically guys who walked around who were in relatively good shape, but if someone walked in with a rifle, there wasn't anything they could do. So why are we spending the money on these people and then giving them no resources? And especially when we have as many unemployed veterans as we do. And obviously there are veterans who are working through a lot and who maybe working with children isn't the best plan for them at the moment. But there are a lot of veterans who are just fine who can't seem to find work. And I'm sure that hundreds, if not thousands of them, would be perfectly willing to take a job protecting the children of this country. All right, guys. I, I mean, that that was a really nice uh, response there. So let's let's uh, get ready to conclude here. I did want to reach back out uh, and circle back to uh, kind of going back to your organization as a whole. So I know one of the the main focal points for the the mission of Triggered Millennials is to educate. So uh, my audience, it's very diverse. Uh, you know, we have listeners not only here within the the continental United States but also you know, over overseas so um, if I am someone over in California or over in, in the United Kingdom and I want to to learn more about the the right to self-preservation being the use uh, of the Second Amendment how would I be able to to access uh, trigger Millennials and, and to utilize your resources well, in the coming months, obviously we just started things up, but in the coming months, uh, I know we're going to be publishing uh, a series of posts about uh, each of the founding fathers who had substantial writing on their belief around the Second Amendment. So that will all be on our website. Um, as part of our trademark, one of the things that we are able to do is post uh, non-downloadable educational videos. 
So we'll have a YouTube up and running and those videos will also likely be uploaded to the site. So uh, the Trigger Millennials webpage is going to go from just our home base to becoming a hub of knowledge. You're gonna go on there and it's gonna be the Khan Academy of firearms training, not training, education. And it's gonna be presented in a way that is, is built and made and conducted by millennials. And that's part of the, the gap that we've realized there has been. There's not another organization, company, or movement like ours. We have, there's, there's countless gun clubs out there. There's countless pro-gun organizations out there. But again, we could go back to the stereotype, who's in them? There's no group like ours that millennials can look at and say, I can, I can associate with them and, and actually connect with them on a, uh, you know, just a more, less stereotypical level of, I'm with a bunch of, you know, I don't even know why this is like a thing, but a bunch of, a bunch of white guys, you know, it's a bunch of like-minded people, college educated people, you know, people that went to school, trade school, people that are born in the same age group that didn't have to get drafted into Vietnam to learn how to use a firearm, that didn't have, you know, all of our grandfathers went to World War II pretty much. It's, there's a gap, our generation, if we fought in war, it was voluntary. We didn't have to, we didn't do a draft or a major, major war in our lifetime that we had to go and fight into. Essentially what we're gonna be presenting is um, a tech savvy approach where people of our age group can go and find knowledge without feeling like they're being talked down to. Basically, they're gonna be learning from their peers rather than from people that feel like they have a sense of superiority because that's not what we're here for. And and for those that maybe don't have the time to sit down and watch the videos and all that stuff, all of our social media, we keep up to date with, with current events, quick little tweets about stuff that's going on, bills that might be passed, you know, just to keep up to date on your phone, that's always live and you always get an, a triggered millennial to answer you. All right, guys. Well, hey, listen, um, you guys got a lot of good stuff here. And I think, uh, you know, going forward, this is going to be a really great, uh, not only a great resource, um, but a great means of bringing people together. Uh, you, you know, your your organization is very similar to, as we kind of alluded to at the beginning of the show, it's very similar to my podcast. It's, it's We're trying to bring in people from all walks of life, um, from very many different ways of thinking uh, to, to kind of find common ground. I think you know, with the idea of you being able to own your own body and then be able to protect it, I think that's something that, uh, at the end of the day, we can all kind of come together and we can kind of, I, I, I dare say, I hope that we can all agree that that is something that we can find some common ground with. Um, but hey, guys, like I said, I really do appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Um, so, again, going forward, you can find uh, the Triggered Millennials over on their website at the uh, triggeredmillennials.org or you can follow them on Twitter at TriggeredWakeUp uh, or you can follow them on Instagram and Facebook at the Triggered Millennials. Uh, but again, thanks so much to, uh, to Mark, Sam, and Aiden uh, who are joining me today from... Uh, where, are you guys, where are you guys over today, over in, uh, in Pennsylvania? We're actually in Westchester at the moment. Westchester, all right. So you're just uh, like a stone throws away here yeah. from, from the uh, Cradle Liberty in Philadelphia. Yep. Awesome. Well, hey, listen, guys, I appreciate it. Um, and again, you can follow me on Twitter at Liberty. Uh, again, if you're interested in one of those great uh, don't hurt people, don't take people stuff bumper stickers, shoot me an email at Show at gmail.com. And as always, please feel free to go subscribe, review, and share today's uh, podcast over on iTunes or wherever you, uh, you're getting your podcast from. But until next time, it's Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. We will see you next week. Thanks, Brian.